Uh, I think it's a pretty good plan. We should be able to pull it off this time. Uh, what do you think, Abdul? Can you give me a number crunch real quick? Uh, yeah, give me a sec. I'm coming up with 32.33, uh, repeating, of course, percentage of survival. Oh, that's a lot better than we usually do. Uh, All right, thumbs up. Ready, guys? Let's or? do this. Leroy Dragons! Oh, my God, he just ran in. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. We are smack dab in the middle of talking about video games in the month of September. And I'm your host, Troy. I guess I should have started there. And It's all right, buddy. Yeah. This is our first episode, so you know, it's brand new to you. I know. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm doing great. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> I feel there like tonight is going to be one of those type of... Like, I am so unprepared to talk about this film for two reasons. One, I've learned some stuff about this video game we're talking about tonight that just boggles my mind. And secondly, we're going to have to dissect this film a little bit because I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. And I, I don't. So, okay. Blizzard is a game developing a game developer that I have liked quite a bit. Um, recently, they have come into the news. I don't know if you know this story, but they are currently being sued by the state of California for some workplace issues. Yeah. Um, so we are just going to talk about this movie as is. Uh, we won't get into that. But I will say they also make Diablo. Um, Diablo 2 and Diablo 3 are two of my favorite video games of all time. I wish they would make a Diablo movie, but they made a Warcraft movie instead. So here we are. And I had know nothing about Warcraft. Yeah. And I guess if we were going to do the intro proper, obviously we're a podcast that talks about movies that bombed. We're doing video games, which I know it's kind of weird. Most video game movies don't bomb. This one did. So we're going to talk about 2016's Warcraft. Now you started, you kicked things off last week with Mortal Kombat. And we went ahead and threw Mortal Kombat Annihilation in there as well. A little, so bonus, a little for bonus for people. Only one movie this we- week. So... Uh, and, and this is interesting. So you, you've given a little bit of backstory of like what kind of why blizzards in the news today, but do you know much about Warcraft as a video game, just like it's history and stuff? Not really. I know it's a real time strategy game. Um, it is humans and orcs. Uh, it's very Tolkien esque, uh, very middle earth. Um, that's about all I know. I played Warcraft three quite a bit. Um, but I don't know anything about the story. Again, I was always a Diablo person, so my knowledge on Warcraft is limited at best. So you you never did. So the the way the world of Warcraft works today for anybody the uninitiated. And I've never played the MMO. I've never okay. played. So I I I know Warcraft as the strategy real time strategy game yes. that came before the world of War before WoW, if you will. Yes. I never. I know myself, and I know if I invested time in the World of Warcraft 
that I would never do anything else. So I have to just kind of say, you know what? I can't even dip my, it's like heroin. I can't do it because I know that I'll just do it every day. So I, I have to have to keep an arm's distance away from war, uh, World of Warcraft. Yeah, it's known as uh, I'm a, <laughs> you're gonna, you'll help me out with this. It's an MMORPG, which stands yeah, for massively massive multiplayer online role playing game. Yeah, I I did try this for a couple of weeks. Everybody that I was kind of hanging out with at the time. And it was a lot, a lot of dads actually were saying, oh, you, you got to get into World of Warcraft. So I'm like, cool, let's let's give this a whirl, right? So the idea is you pay a monthly fee once per month. It was like 15 bucks or something. That's usually how monthly fees work. Yes, yes. <laughs> you then create your character and you jump into this world. So you can, you can create your character from scratch. It can be anything, right? You pick a race, you do all these other things. And then the idea is you run around this entire world with like uh, either people you know or complete strangers. You complete Azeroth, right? That is that yeah. is the, yeah. the the place. Okay, I think so. But week one, I was having a lot of fun with it. I like kind of like you just talked about. You suck a couple hours into it, and you go, "Okay, I'm just grinding," and I know I'm supposed to be getting to something. Then you then you meet some of your friends. You go and do something together. It's kind of fun. On week two, it was a Wednesday night. And I swear after dinner, hung out with the kids for a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play a couple hours. So it started about eight o'clock before I know it. And I have to work the next day. It is is 4 (laughs) a.m. And I mean, time just flew. At that moment, I deleted the account and I never went back to it. Yep. Because it just, I mean, talk about sucking away time and just getting. Now, some of the guys I hung out with that played this, they were just avid players one guy kept a spreadsheet. So as he was playing, if he would pick up items and stuff that he would use, he would add them to an Excel spreadsheet and then find out all the stats to it. And depending on what he was doing within the game, he would consult his spreadsheet for how he should gear up or whatever, given the event. I, I mean, he took this thing down to like a, an accounting science. It, it was ridiculous. I can respect that. I've done spreadsheets for dumber things, so yeah. I can't, I'm not here to mock. So this is the stuff that just shocks me. So World of Warcraft, this isn't the real-time strategy stuff. This is the MMORPG stuff that we're talking about. Because this is really where this thing took off, I think, if you kind of look at the history of this franchise. Yes. This was Blizzard's main money generator for, I think it's going on 15 years, maybe. Maybe longer than that. A little bit longer. So it was a major and critical commercial success when it released in 2004 and quickly became the most popular MMORPG of all time. Man, even when I say MMORPG, I love it when you say it. I sound like, I sound like I'm a dad, like, Hey, you're MMORPG. (laughs) So reaching a peak of 12 million subscribers in 2010, the game had over 100 million, 100 million registered accounts by 2014 and by 2017 had cro- uh, yeah it grossed over 9.23 billion dollars in revenue that's, Ma- a, that's billion that's with a b billion right making it one of the highest grossing video game franchises of all time the game has been cited by gaming journalists as the greatest mmorpg of all time and one of the greatest video games of all time now i, I went and pulled some figures, right? So this is as of August 10, 2021. And this is tied into Blizzard's uh, quarter two earnings for this year. Ooh. Ooh. Are you doing earnings calls? Doing earnings calls. Here we go. Okay. Blizzard's Q2 earnings call revealed 
that World of Warcraft has lost half of its monthly active users in the last four years. So it's dwindling in popularity. And I'm sure some of the scandals and stuff that you talked about isn't helping. However, this is what shocked me. World of Warcraft currently has about 26 million players. The game peaked at 46 million monthly active users in the second quarter of 2017. But as of August, 26 million players are paying 15 bucks a month. That's a lot of cheddar, man. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, wow. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yes. 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 It is. Wow. <laughs> there you go. 26. Here's the other thing I found interesting. So if you, again, I, I like when we talk about movies, regardless of the quality of the film, but if, if you can get something out of it. So there's all of these, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody's seen the videos, the Leroy Jenkins, you, you kind of referenced people have found their spouses in this game and have gotten married virtually, et cetera. So there are so many crazy stories out there of these world of Warcraft players. I found this incident super interesting. So did you hear about the corrupted blood incident? No. Okay. So I, again, I spent two weeks with this game. I'm not an expert. I'm sure somebody could email me. Uh, there might be a listener that can correct me on this, but here's what I got. Corrupted blood plague was the result of a tiny bug that devastated entire servers for days. It all happened when a new raid, Zul Gurub, was added to Warcraft back in 2005. In that raid, a boss named Hakar the Soul Flayer inflicts mm -hmm. players with a curse called Corrupted Blood that causes them to take fatal damage very quickly. To avoid the whole group becoming infected and dying, players have to spread out since corrupted blood is highly contagious. So in this video game, they create some, I guess, level or, you know, a quest. And as a result, this boss infects one person. And then if other players come in contact with that person, then they're infected. And I, I guess you die and take damage very quickly. So what happens? In this virtual world, right? So uh, 2005, I'm, I'm sure at that point, what, they, they have like 40 bazillion players. Some players became plague doctors using their healing abilities to keep others alive while others willingly infected themselves and tried to spread corrupted blood to everyone they could. Blizzard tried to create quarantine zones, but trolls kept ruining them and correct, corrupted blood disrupted life in World of Warcraft for over two weeks until a patch was released that changed how it worked. Corrupted blood was such a fascinating moment in video game history, real scientists studied it as a model for real-world diseases and how humans respond. And some of the learnings even helped them prepare for the COVID-19 pandemic. That's, That's Awesome and sad at the same time. <laughs> yes, that is that is a piece of trivia that when you look at video games and you look at the environment and what we can learn from them, you just wouldn't expect this type of learning within this environment, right? But at the same time, it is crazy that when you hear about how people reacted in a video game world to this sort of fake corrupted blood thing, you see this sort of panning out in today's environment with COVID-19. Yeah, a lot of times when people take on a character in a role-playing game, they're living out their fantasies in, in a world where they would want to act the way they think they would in the real world in a way. And so 
it brings out the worst of the worst and the best of the best. Uh, people tend to go to each extreme. Yeah. You know, it's like your Jedi Sith sort of thing. So that doesn't surprise me at all that, um, you know, there would be a, a group of people who would want to help. And then there would be these group of people who would want to troll uh, all the other players. Cause that's basically what the internet has become now. Yeah. Trolls and good people. Yeah. It, so if you want to have some fun one night, just go through and, you know, Google craziest world of Warcraft things or stuff that people's done. There's some just outlandish stuff that has happened. People have died because they have played Warcraft for like 72 hours straight. And yes. And people wear diapers while they play. So they don't have to uh, get up and leave the computer. There's a great South Park episode on Warcraft. Um, <laughs> There's a so whole economy, I guess, of uh, finding things in war uh, in in the video game world, and then actually selling them for for real monies. Yeah. And I believe gold farming originated in Warcraft. That was a thing where you would farm for gold. Um, people would do that for you. You would pay them in like real world money. And now with Bitcoin, I'm sure you can get anyone to do anything for you. So whatever. Yeah, so we are talking about a movie that is based on this particular franchise. So I feel like Mortal Kombat, I mean, that's a huge franchise. So we wanted to tackle the, you know, the first two films for that. It, it just made sense to like tackle the most successful, highest grossing video game franchise yeah. ever. So let's, let's call a timeout. Yeah. Before, well, I'll get into the numbers, but yes, this is the highest grossing video game adaptation um, it surpassed uh, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, well, why is it a bomb? A, critically, it's a bomb. But B, when you make a lot of money, but you spend a lot of money, there's times where you have to make a lot of lots of money to uh, turn a profit. And so why don't I just get into it now? Yeah, um, let, these numbers are fascinating. Yeah, so $160 million budget. Um, which is pretty large. Um, they spent an ungodly amount of money um, advertising. I believe the film needed to make somewhere between 450 and $500 million to break even. To break even. That's the conservative um, figure, yes. Yes, yes. Um, the film did not. It made $439 million, only makes $47 million domestically, Jeez. which is crazy. Yes. Um, but internationally makes 391. So pretty big success outside of the United States. Um, I saw Germany was big. France was big. Great Britain was big. Um, opened opening weekend is $24.6 million, which was good enough for number two um, at the box office that week behind the conjuring two, which is funny because the conjuring two, I looked up the budget for that movie was $40 million. And I believe The Conjuring uh, 2 made like, you know, $300 million or something crazy like that. So just goes to show you that, yeah. sorry, yeah, Conjuring 2 made 320. So, Jeez. you know, yeah, on off of 40. So, um, yeah, it, it's, again, we're looking at a film that costs a lot of money to make. They had to market this thing like crazy. And, yes, it's the highest grossing um video game adaptation of all time, but that doesn't mean that it, it was successful. Um, if this thing was successful, we would have heard about a, a, a sequel long before now. And our director, Duncan Jones has basically said that idea is uh, dead in the water. 
Um, also, why this thing is also on a podcast called Not a Bomb is because it sits at a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, critics were not too kind to this thing. It says Warcraft has visual thrills to spare, but they and director Duncan Jones' distinctive gifts are wasted on a sluggish and derivative adaptation of a best-selling game with little evident, with little evident uh, cinematic value. S- little, <laughs> little cinematic value was a little harsh. Um, I will say audience score is seventy-six percent, so the audience likes this thing about three times more than the critics. It's not surprising, you know. There's a billion people that play this thing. Um, I'm sure they probably came to its defense. Um, or maybe not. You know, sometimes fans are the worst things for adaptations. Uh, their expectations are way different than um, what the director and screenwriters and all that have to say. So um, they're probably the, the harshest critics. Um, <clears throat> oh, sorry. So it releases. Uh, June tenth of two thousand sixteen. Would you call this a summer tentpole movie? Oh yes, yeah. absolutely. If you spend yeah. if you spend one hundred sixty million dollars, you release in the summer, you're expecting to make lots of money. Um, comes out with the likes of Me Before You, which is a uh, Amelia Clark vehicle, um, Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Which was the, the second second one? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, the BFG. Um, now you see me too. Pop star never stop stopping. Which stay tuned for that relatively soon. Yep. Uh, the neon demon, which I actually kind of like. Don't breathe, which I like quite a bit. Um, Central intelligence with the Rock and Kevin Hart. Finding Dory. Secret Life of Pets, a movie I never want to see again, Independence Day Resurgence. I saw it once and think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, uh, Ice Age Collision Course, Free State of Jones, uh, and Swiss Army Man. So huge month, a lot of stuff coming out. Oh, sorry, it goes on. The Shallows, uh, the Shark movie. Yeah, N- Nerve. Uh, the Purge election year and the legend of Tarzan. So you had about 20 films that month that you could see in the theater. That is a crowded, crowded month. Yeah. I remember cause you, me and Charlie and Brett, we used to take, do the bet where we would always, you know, do the, the, the fantasy draft with summer films. And I remember we were, we would go through and I would be doing research for that. And it would be like 50 movies that legit had a chance to like break it big in the summer. You're like, I don't know the difference between these two films. They sound the exact same, but they could be huge. I, and, I re- uh, So I remember this just, just to give a little more context, what we would do is we would pick a season, right? So we would say a time period, let's say January to May and like June to September. Uh-huh. And the idea was we would round Robin Everybody would get to pick a movie and you'd fill out a roster and then we would track the box office and whoever at the end of that stretch made the most money based on the box office, they won, right? Won. Yeah. 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 It was real nerdy stuff, but it was fun. You know, it was just kind of a way for us to dick around and well, it, have an excuse to talk about movies. I'll tell you what's interesting about that whole exercise was when you sit back and look at the research and you find out, you know, a movie 
like Warcraft, you go, well, what's its built in audience? What's it based off of? Who's in it? Who's directing it? What's the buzz? And and this is a film that obviously the the shooting schedule wasn't long, but it was about a two year production before it gets released. So a lot of people are talking about it and it fits right in that wheelhouse of, uh, you know, if you think about it, you've got Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, they're not too distant, right? Hobbit, no. the Hobbit just, uh, finishes up its three films and then along comes this one. And, and those three films, regardless of the quality and everything still made a lot of money. So Warcraft coming out from a studio perspective, it makes total sense that with yeah. this video game property, and you know sort of based on middle earth stuff yeah it's orcs and humans and elves yeah exactly like this is just going to fill that gap yeah it, it really comes down to what's the quality of the film who's attached to it which will make or break any film most of the time i mean you, you've got your exceptions like the michael bay transformer stuff right um but here's here's the other thing it also comes down to the marketing and it also goes down to what audience are you chasing after so I had a question for you because I know you were looking at the numbers. This is 2016, so it's five years ago. A couple of years before that, what was it, 2013, we had Pacific Rim, the first film. And mm-hmm. that yep. that was another case of a movie that bombed domestically, but it made a ton of film, or a ton of film, ton of money. Ton of money, yep. In other countries, primarily China. And as a result of that, they went ahead and said, well, let's go do a sequel. And it made a lot of money. I don't. I don't know if it was as profitable, but obviously the difference between Pacific Rim, I think, and this one is Pacific Rim did manage to kind of squeak out some earnings. Yes, this one fell short. But it feels to me that you could go back in history, and especially probably from 2010, maybe to 2015, 16, you can see Hollywood recognizing how big of a movie market China is becoming. And so these budgets are going, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger because they're specifically trying to chase a, a, a cinema structure and, you know, a population because they go, oh, if it hits big there, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how well it does over here. They can make a lot of money. Yep. Yep. Yeah. To me, seeing the numbers on this one and seeing $47 million domestically was shocking. Yeah. When you spend 160 and you only make about 25% of that domestically is insane to me. Insane. Because like you were saying, this thing has a built-in audience at one point in time was like 52 million subscribers or whatever, you know, because or more, more than that. And, and I guess getting those people into the theater is harder than just making a movie and getting the guy who did Moon to do it, I, I, obviously, because that wasn't enough. Well, no, and and I'm looking at the figures today. So it's interesting. Take the Marvel films, for example. Uh, Black Widow has a pretty big budget, and it's only been released domestically. Uh, The country that it's missing is China. Mm -hmm. And then Shang-Chi is doing great over here, but it's not getting released in China. So you have a lot of studio properties that are just not able to get into one of the biggest movie-going countries but these are $200 million budgets that are happening and still what would be classified as like a pandemic. There are no, there's just no way these films are going to make any kind of profit unless they open in China. Yeah. The, the thing with that is 
Disney now makes so much money off of Disney Plus too, so they yeah. can use that as a buffer to say, look, anything we make in the theater is just added added bonus at this point in time because we have X amount of subscribers that give us, what is it, $10 a month. We know that revenue is pretty much guaranteed month to month because who cancels a $10 subscription to anything? It, it depends. Um, it's all about the new subscriptions. Cause I know that well, yeah, you have to grow month over month. I yeah. Mean, that's so the thing. Netflix and, and that's what shareholders care about. Now HBO and everything month, else. Yeah. yeah. It's about if you're not growing and if they are paying very close attention to what your subscription levels are, you're going to run out of cash pretty quick, which I find it interesting. And this is a sidebar because of, what I do and earnings calls and all that. But the way you can fiddle with those new subscribers numbers is downright because it's so critical to shareholders belief in the growth of a company, the way you can kind of finagle those things, they uh, to like, no one cares what, what, how much money, Netflix has. They want to know how many subscribers they have, how many new subscribers that they add month over month. And the way you can, you know, you, you don't have to, you do not have to delineate between free subscribers to paid yeah. subscribers because at, at, at one point, you know, once you get that credit card, again, people have a really hard time canceling, but you got to pay attention to that. Some of those earning calls when they're just talking about, new subscribers and stuff. Cause that's, those numbers are not as regulated as financials. It's crazy. Yeah. So I think if, if we, we get away from the math and the nerd talk, we're basically yeah. saying they had to spend a lot of marketing money on this film, both domestically and internationally because of how crowded that month of June was for its release. I mean, that's fair to say that summer was a pretty packed summer and you're going up against some other franchises and other sort of uh, notable sequels, et cetera. And you're trying to get your new property out there because you want to create a film franchise out of your video game. So you got you got to spend some money to get everybody, you know, butts in seats. And this was an uphill battle to begin with. Yeah, I, I saw somewhere between 15 and $40 million lost on this film. Yeah. So, you know, you don't spend 160 and then, you don't spend $400 million to even break even because the risk is too high. You right. you spend $400 million because you think you can make $800 million. Um, so to, to just squeak by is crazy to me. Again, the audience is there. The audience is there. It is. But obviously it's not. Well, let's talk about the creative talent. So th- those are the numbers. Those are the financials. We had a pretty good marketing budget. Just went up against some heavy hitters for for 2016, obviously. We have director Duncan Jones. Now he's what do you he's David Bowie's son, right? Yes, he is. Yep. Okay. So he comes on the scene with a film in 2009 called Moon. I know you've seen this. I love Moon. Moon is fantastic. Let's let's just say right now. Uh, if you get anything out of how many minutes we go on today's episode, if you have not seen Moon with Sam Rockwell, you have to just go and buy it. Don't rent it because I know you're yep. going to watch it a couple of times, but you have to have Moon in your library, either digitally, physical copy, go buy Moon if you haven't seen it. It's one of the best space movies of all time, period. 
and I wouldn't even say it's one of the, I, I would say this, if, if you like science fiction, you're going to love moon. If mm-hmm. you love thrillers, you're going to love moon. If you like claustrophobic sort of paranoid type scenarios with an amazing performance, you're going to love moon moon. I, I feel Duncan Jones just comes on the scene, just hits a home run with moon and he can do anything that he wants at that point. Yeah. It's you have few directors in our lifetime who have come out with a film and you're like, whatever this guy does next after seeing one film, whatever he does next, I don't care. I'm seeing it. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. And Duncan Jones immediately gets on that list after moon. And I will say this. I was not disappointed with this follow-up either source code from 2011. I like source code quite a bit. It's not as good as moon, but it is still a very, very good science fiction film. Yeah, and the only other films that you he would get credit for is he does Source Code in 2011. Five years later, he does Warcraft. Now, keep in mind, about two to three years of that is Warcraft because there's a lot of pre-production, CGI, et cetera, and uh, Mute in 2018, which I haven't seen Mute yet. I did not like Mute. Okay. so I thought it was kind of trash, to be honest with you. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I don't know what else he's, he's kind of cooking. This is a guy who is not putting out a ton of product very quickly. I wish you would put out more, but I understand. Um, I know during the time or right after production ended, David Bowie passed away. Right. So, you know, he loses his father. I know his mother has battled breast cancer for a long time. Um, so look, I'm not telling people what they happen to have to do. I just wish you'd put out more stuff because I think 75% of his output is near perfect. Yeah, I would agree with that. So he also contributed to the screenplay. Um, It's based on the Warcraft by Blizzard Entertainment. The other writer on this film is Charles Leavitt. Now, Charles Leavitt has done K-Pax in 2001, Blood Diamond in 2006, Seventh Son in 2014, which I think is the Jeff Bridges Uh sorcery film. Yeah. In the heart of the sea in 2015, and, and most recently he did a film this year, "Those Who Wish Me Dead," 2021. So he's oh done, yes, he's done yeah. other stuff, but he's yep. he's still working. <laughs> a sidebar, real quick. So this name has come up uh, when we talk about video game movies, but Uwe Boll wanted to direct this film, and he wanted the rights to make his movie of Warcraft, and pretty much Blizzard said, "No way in hell, get away from us." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When Uwe Boll comes knocking at your door, you say, no, thank you, sir. Yeah. We will uh, we will pass, but thank you for coming by. Yeah. Uh, the other person I want to kind of talk about real quick is the cinematography by Simon um, Duggan. Dugan? Dugan. Yep. Okay. iRobot, 2004. Underworld Evolution, 2006. Live Free or Die Hard, 2007. 300 Rise of an Empire. Hacksaw Ridge in 2016. And the Lego Ninjago movie in 2017 starring Jackie Chan. So there you go. Oh, sorry, Jackie. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, that Jackie Chan vehicle. Yeah. I, it looks like I mean, he, yeah. he likes working with, um, what's it, Wiseman is the yeah, director? Yeah, Wiseman. Lynn yep. Wiseman is a Lynn big, Wiseman. Yep. So I don't know. You got, you got an amazing, I don't know. You got an amazing director who's going to film uh, Warcraft Cinematography, Hacksaw Ridge, 300, you know. Some of those are good. I, they got a look. Yeah. they. I, I like the look of these films. Mm-hmm. And from a writing perspective, I, I think you got an average Hollywood writer working with yep. him. 
for the most part. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. But hey, the talent is really the director when we're talking behind the screen. This is where, in my opinion, it gets extremely problematic is when we talk about the people in front of the screen. So Brad, you're going to spend a ton of money, a ton of money on a film. You want people that are recognizable and that are going to draw people in, right? Absolutely. If I'm spending $160, $160 million, I want Dwayne the effing rock Johnson in my film or Arnold Schwarzenegger or yeah. Chris Evans or, you know, I want a big name in my film. Who'd they get for this one, Troy? Well, I would say you initially said for $160. So if I were making <laughs> a movie for $160. Get some guys that are on the show Vikings, right? I would I would get Travis Fimmel. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you yeah, know who Travis in, Fimmel? He's in he's in Vikings. Is that a TV show? Yeah. Okay. It was quite popular. I've <laughs> I have seen nothing of in this man's film. I was going through the filmography. I'm like, nope. Mm. Um, he lots of TV and what looks like to direct a video or streaming stuff. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who this guy is outside of this film. He it, man, you want to talk about the? <laughs> I'm gonna. It's one thing to butcher names of real people, but I f- this is just a car crash rating to happen with these fantasy names. So he's There's a lot of like H's and yeah. Anduin Lothar. Is Lothar. Yeah. Lothar. Yeah. Okay. He's so I'm going to help everybody out. Who's seen it. That's the hero. He's like the human knight, right? He's our, he's our badass. He's, he's white bread. Number one. Yes. Right. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of super white people in this movie or green. Yes, yeah. but okay. the yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, Paula Patton as Garau, 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 Garau. Okay, she's the half orc. I think half orc, half human person. Yes, uh, she was in Hitch, Idlewild, Deja Vu, Mirrors, Precious, Mission Impossible, Gross Protocol. There's our Tom Cruise reference for this evening. Um, and going into Warcraft, she did two guns, uh, which is a pretty fun it's film. Okay, yeah. yeah. Warcraft and then the do over in 2016, which was that oh. an Adam Sandler film. Yeah. Or is that the, uh, um, I think it was Adam Sandler Netflix film. Yes, it is. Adam Sandler and David Spade. I oh. believe were in that. Yeah. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so $160 million. We've got Travis and Paula. How about Ben Foster? As I do like Ben Foster quite a bit. Medivh, is that right? Medivh, Medivh. Yes. He's he's the head human wizard, right? He's the guardian, which seeing him in this movie is weird. He looks like Jesus. He does look like Jesus, but okay, to me, Ben Foster is one of the most kind of serious and intense actors we have. He's, he's, like got he's that one of those. He's s- got that. I smidge like I might be insane. Yes. And if you want me to really go method, like, oh, you want me to pay a, play a crack addict? Okay, just give me a bunch of crack and I'll just do it and then get in the moment. Or you want me to – he's like a Christian Bale. Like Christian Bale will lose 300 pounds to be in a movie and then gain 300 pounds to be in a movie. Ben Foster is like that too where he will just he deep goes dive into, into it, a right? character. And you're like, this guy might be insane, but I love it. But I don't want to be friends with him because he might kill me at any point in time. Yeah, I, I feel like you're just, you know, having dinner with him. And uh, next thing you know, he picks up a knife and stabs you like the butter fork or butter fork, butter knife. <laughs> butter, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like um, him and like that. His character in Hell or High Water like, oh, is yes. scary. 
Yeah, Heller, Heller High Water and 310 to Yuma are the two Ben Foster films. Those, those are the, when I see his name, those are the two movies that I immediately go to. Uh, he did, he did it. He was in Inferno. I think you liked that one from 2016, right? Mm. Is that the one you walked out of that story? Uh, angels and demons, angels and demons. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, next Dominic Cooper, uh, is the King, uh, Lane Wren, Wren, Wren. I don't know. Wren, yeah. Most people know him as Howard Stark from the MCU. I think that's where he's, uh, getting most of his work now, I think, or his big paycheck. Yeah. And always, I was super excited for this next name. Cause I feel like this name has been coming up a lot, but I would say Dominic Cooper is a super attractive man too, without the long hair, like that beard and long hair. Don't not do that man justice. He has a jawline that is. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice his jawline. Well, well yeah, yeah. Look at other pictures. I don't know when I see him, I'm like, Oh, there's like uh, Tony Stark's dad. That's yeah, every time I see him. There's, there's some white guy. Yeah. Yay. Some white guy. Clancy Brown. He's the bad orc soldier black hand and of course for those uh who have not i mean clancy brown has been on a couple episodes now adventures of buckaroo bonsai and highlander right and yeah. of course the so you know, the trifecta yeah he's mr krabs from spongebob squarepants which still blows my mind it's unfortunate that clancy brown if you don't know it's clancy brown it's hard to tell it's clancy brown yeah, you would. I don't think you would know it from listening to it. Nope, nope. It does not come across as Clancy Brown because I knew that he was in this movie, and it took me a while to be like, "Oh, that's the guy he is." And okay. you know what? That may be a good thing when you're talking about voice acting because he doesn't sound like Mr. Krabs, and he's. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that might be a little weird. He but is sure. pretty versatile. Uh, the other one which I had no idea he was in it until I saw the credits. Cause I would never have guessed this Daniel Wu as Gul'dan, the, the evil orc wizard. So he's kind of the big main baddie, right? Yeah. You, you Daniel Wu fan, you familiar with him? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Into the badlands, 2015, yes. 2019 great yep. series. Uh, I discovered him early on with the Hong Kong films. There were two that he kind of hit the scene with that are pretty darn good. Can I guess? Oh, yeah. Which Gen ones? X Cops? Yes, 1999. Okay, yeah. And then uh, Purple Storm? Purple Storm. Those are the two. Okay. Came out yeah, okay. the same year, really same year. They're really good. Purple Storm. I know I know you so well that I could just be like, I know these two. Yep. Yeah, Purple sure. Storm is a, it's really good. And if you want to see Daniel Wu's, one of his best performances, I really like Purple Storm. He's so good at yeah. that. Yeah, yep. Uh, the only person left is Toby Kebbell. As Duritan, you know, he's the good orc, right? So he's got the wife and the baby. I couldn't pick this guy out of a lineup if I saw him. I'm looking hey, at guess what? For, he's a white guy. Yeah. Now he was Dr. Doom in Josh Trank's 2015 Fantastic Four. That's right. That's yeah. right. I tried to block that movie out of my out of my skull, but But he's another one. I looked at his filmography. I'm like, man, I've seen a lot of these films. I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, he was in Bloodshot. Yeah. Have you seen Bloodshot? Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, there's just Oh, not... he was in Hurricane Heist, too. Have you seen Hurricane Heist? I do like Hurricane Heist. It's so goofy, and yeah. I like it. No, he's... Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I just... I look at his filmography. I'm like, yeah, I've seen a lot of these films. I have no idea who this Toby guy is or what he looks like. <laughs> and nope. and in this film, he's, he's a CGI orc. Yeah. So... That is one of those things where you get this talent 
and then you just make them look so unhuman and green. And you're like, why did you get this guy? I mean, they're not getting A-list people anyway, but it's like, why would you even, uh, at this point in time, just get a voice actor to do the voice and move on? I, I don't know. I don't know why they, I think they could have sacrificed some s- salaries to maybe bolster some A-list people to be in this movie, but maybe no one wants to be in a Warcraft movie. I don't know. I'm sure they asked. I'm sure they asked Tom Cruise, Hey, do you want to be in this movie? And he's probably like, no, thank you. Yeah. I the, Here's, I'll tell you the other uphill battle this thing had outside of being released in a pretty packed summer. It had some advantages in terms of having a built-in audience, you know, the, the, the biggest video game thing out there. But when you look at the cast list, and I think even if you look at the director, there is nothing behind the camera or in front of the camera that sells this thing at all. So not no, not because, because as good as Moon is, a hundred million people didn't see Moon. You know what right. I'm saying? Like it's, maybe a hundred thousand people saw Moon in the theater. It was theater. an independent darling. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, before we move on to, I, I think this thing was originally set to come out in December of 2015. Yep. But another film was coming out that, and they were like, we got to get as far away from this thing as possible. And that was star Wars, the force awakens. Yeah. And that was probably a good call too, because no one cared about anything other than star Wars in the December of 2015. So yeah. Yeah. This one, I don't know. I, I feel like on paper, if you were putting that kind of money down, I don't, I would have been real hesitant on this thing. There is nothing, and you know, that, uh, here's the thing. A lot of times when we talk about these films that bombed big time, we will sit here and tell these kind of fascinating, interesting stories about what happened behind the scenes, et cetera. None of that happened. I know Duncan Jones was um, uh, fighting some family issues with cancer that you kind of hit on, but in terms of production and everything else, they, you know, Duncan Jones wanted to rewrite the script, so he got to rewrite the script. He kind of took something that, from his perspective, is pretty basic. And said, okay, I, I don't want this just to be, you know, orcs versus humans, but let's add a little bit more complexity here. So this is his vision. And he had a lot of money to back it up. But as a studio goes, Blizzard Entertainment and everybody else who kind of, you know, I don't know, put up the funds for this thing. <laughs> I right out of the gate would have been like, yeah, I think we're in trouble. Would you have made $9 billion off of a property? And someone says, "Can we have 160 to make a film, million dollars?" You're like, "Okay, we don't. Sure, Duncan Jones, we trust you. Here, here's that. That is a I guess. You, they find that money in the couch cushion. You know I, what I'm saying? Like, I can't it, put my head around even even if you're collecting 15 dollars a month from 26 million people. That kind of number, I I can't wrap my head around that. Yes, but we're we're talking about nine billion dollars. Nine billion dollars. I know, I know, I know. I'm never gonna see nine billion dollars, so I can't comprehend that. Well, I think it's time to talk about what we thought about this film. There's there's really I mean, there's not a lot to talk about when you you know, the making of it, et cetera. I mean, we're not we're not gonna sit here and go, well, who's what was Paula Patton's favorite film that she did? I mean, it's not going to happen. Right. And we've, we've ad nauseum Clancy Brown. We love Clancy Brown, but Brad, I'm curious. Well, you know what? I want to ask you something, Brad. We talked about mortal Kombat. I, I feel like mortal Kombat had a slight advantage kind of going into the movie because it had a story like the video game 
had a story, right? Yes. Simple yes. premise, but it was already built in. Is it fair to say that maybe one of the things going against this is the nature of the game in and of itself? Because at its core, you're making your own story. You're making your own story. You as a player are creating a character, everything else. So in order for this to be successful, you have to have a really engaging story or you have to have something that is so universal that all of these players are going to go, oh, yeah, I've experienced that at some point during the gameplay. And so I can relate to it through my character or something of that nature. So this is going to be tough to do in terms of a movie compared to Mortal Kombat because there's nothing to start with. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, yeah. The okay. You have to get the story right in this one because it has to, like you said, when we play that game, we play it together and we create our own memories based on the interactions that you and I have through our avatar, but also with us just having these moments where we do a raid and we beat a boss and we have yeah. 25 people in our party. We do all this stuff. You cannot replicate that in a movie. So you have to do the story correctly. Yes. You pull in Azeroth, you pull in names and you get as much as that stuff and, and do the fan service stuff as you can. But at the end of the day, that story has to be unique and it has to be intriguing and it has to pull me into the theater to say, okay, I, they're going to do something really cool with this property that I like that I've spent my last 10 years of my life playing every day. Yeah. Well, and the, the good thing I guess you have going is you have a world that has a lot of interesting creatures, maybe not so much characters, but concept designs and everything else to borrow from. So at least your movie should look interesting in terms of what you're borrowing, borrowing from in its uh, source material. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, I know they, they wear their influence of Tolkien in yep. Middle Earth and all that stuff on their sleeve. They're, they do ne they have never shied away from the fact that, yes, we've got orcs, we've got elves, we've got humans, we've got dwarves, we've got all that stuff. Yes, Lord of the Rings did it, Tolkien did it, Middle Earth, all that stuff. We understand, but we want to give our own spin to it. And I look, that's fine. That's fine. Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, you, you grow up on stuff and it's just the way you're influenced. Um, it's hard to, you grow up loving the Hobbit. You read, you know, the Hobbit might've been the first book you ever read. And you're like, okay, when I grow up, I'm going to make something and it's going to kind of borrow from this. I get it. I, you know, my favorite director is Quentin Tarantino. You know, he borrows a lot of stuff. Yep. I will say borrow, not steal. And, and um, but this anyway. is usually a fun genre, too, in terms of like yeah. your sword and sandals, sword and dungeons, wizards, yeah, all that other yeah. stuff, right? Give me a wizard. Give me some dark magic. Give me some green orcs, all that stuff. I'm down for that stuff. Okay. Um, so were you down for 2016's Warcraft? I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts. Absolutely not. No oh boy. <laughs> uh, I was so confused for the first maybe 20 minutes of this film. It opens and it is you, you have these orc characters and they're talking about all this stuff and then they go through this portal and then they're I'm like what what is what is going on I, I was so confused I watched it the first part again because I was like did I come in a half an hour <laughs> into this film because I don't know what is going on and eventually they kind of catch you up to what is going on and what their motivation is and their world is dying or whatever. And they have to get over, they use a portal to come into a different world 
And even then I'm like, Oh, all right. Uh, okay. I, I'm down for that. And then everything looks so CGI in this movie, everything, even the build. Like I was, I was telling my wife, cause she was asking me how the movie was. And I was like, it is unbelievable to me that in 2001, when Fellowship of the Ring comes out, it looks better than this movie that came out 15 years later. When you look at the like the the buildings and the characters and the orcs, just compare the orcs in the Lord of the Rings to the orcs in this movie. I know aesthetically they're supposed to be different, but the ones in the Lord of the Rings look a hundred times better and look more real than in this. Um, and, and to be fair, the Lord of the Rings hid a lot of that stuff because it was dark and it rained a I, lot. I was gonna say, but the color so. Let's be fair here. This film, the one thing that it does in terms of its color palette and choices, it's bright. It's bright during the day. Extremely bright. There's there's maybe one sequence in the valley where you get some darkness, grays, and yeah, yeah, and and get a lot more of something that looks a bit like the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. But with Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, they are kind of outside of some of the elf stuff where you get your bright greens and everything else. These guys are, you know, treaching through a mountain to throw a ring in and, you know, they're undergrounds and caves and it's night. I mean, Lord of the Rings just has a different color and feel. And so it is going to be harder to put something like this in broad daylight. And I think they're making some very specific design choices in their orcs. Orcs have been around even before Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yes, but yes. Yeah, these. I mean, they, they just they they went for a different design. Baseball is also around before Babe Ruth, but then, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. he was, yeah. So, yeah. so yes, to be fair, you're correct. Like they're going for two different things, but even they get to this little like temple area and their mounts, their Griffin or whatever it is lands. And I'm like, okay, that looks pretty good. And then they show the, the actual like structure of the tower. And you're like, that looks like a video game to me. Like it doesn't <laughs> look good. And, and then I'm like, well, are they going for that look? Is that what they're going for? Because this is a video game movie. Are they kind of going for that aesthetic of let's maybe go a little less real and more video game, but like high render video game. I, so I don't know. Yeah. But to, to me, it, this thing could have looked like a million bucks. The story in this thing is incomprehensible. Like it is so basic and stupid and there's a half orc half human and there's this baby that never comes to fruition for anything because they're setting up a sequel and the the main orc that you think is gonna you know play a big part in it doesn't um the the twist with the guardian is comes um, like you can see it coming a mile away um it just never clicked with me and and I wanted it to, A, because I like Duncan Jones, but B, I was like, this setting in orcs and humans and elves and dwarves, like, I like all that stuff. Give that to me. It just never did. And it's two hours. And again, the first 20 minutes, I felt like I was completely lost and had no idea what was going on. Um, and then after that, I was just kind of bored. And, and, and again, with the, the, Lord, the Lord of the Rings comparison, like there's like maybe two, the last fight and then another one with the lightning, like are two memorable kind of fights, and that's it. Like there's not a huge like 
mass army versus mass army, what you would want from these kind of movies where you have good guys and bad guys fighting each other. I want big scale action with, you know, clanging of swords and shields and hammers. I want that stuff. You don't get it in this movie till the end. And even then it's a little bit, it just didn't satisfy that itch for me either. So it just never really clicked with me. And I don't know what I was expecting, but it, I think when you turn on a movie and you're lost initially, it's hard to gain your footing after that. And I, I guess I just never got on track after that. So is it fair to say like the first 30 minutes for you, you're thrown into this story, this world and everything else. And right out of the gate, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily buying the aesthetics. I'm not buying the story. You're a little lost. You're that just kind of impacted everything else that came after it because yeah, it and then you're lady. like, oh, and there's Ben Foster. <laughs> you're like, I'm confused, and then Ben Foster shows up. I'm like, okay, now I'm really confused. He this looked is... like he walked off of a Jesus painting when he has his cloak on. He really does. I thought yeah. we were watching like Passion of the Christ part. Two. Or he was like, I just came from a movie set where I played a homeless guy, and now I'm here. So let's go. Yeah, I know magic, magic hands. Um, this one's tough. I. This movie dabbles in wonderment, but it never knocks your socks off. Never. There's not one thing in this film that I went, oh my God, that was amazing. It's a big, expensive B-movie version of Lord of... No, hold on. Let me take that back. It's probably a C-movie version of Lord of the Rings... And it's a, Lord of the Hobbit. Like they a, took all the worst things of the Hobbit though. Well, and it's a B movie version of the Hobbit films. And and here's the thing. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. If you're having fun with the spectacle and can keep up with the story points. I mean, I, I love when you get a big budget Hollywood film, super successful, has the a caliber list of actors. You have an amazing director and it goes on and makes a billion dollars, right? And I'm okay with another studio coming you know, behind and saying, well, we're going to capitalize on that genre, maybe capitalize on certain elements of that story, and we're going to make sort of a B-movie version. I mean, I'm a kid that grew up in the 80s going through VHS covers and going, oh, my gosh, that looks like this other thing. And I can't even tell you how many sword and sandal Conan ripoff movies I watched. And half of them I liked, and the other half I'm like, you know, what in the heck's going on? So I'm okay with that, but it always comes down to, are you having fun with it? Can you go along with the story? And are there elements of it that you gravitate to and you go, okay, it, you don't feel like you wasted two hours of your life, right? But here, in my opinion, here are the elements that are going to get in the way of anybody's enjoyment of this one, right? So none of the characters, none of them are memorable and all of the performances lack emotion in my opinion. Or when they try to interject emotion, it is played up to an 11 when it should have been a three, maybe like subtlety. This thing's not subtle when it comes to its emotion. Right. And I think, I think that's a problem. Like that'll take you out of it. Um, the other thing, exposition. And to your point, the first 30 minutes, there's lots of exposition in the first 30 minutes. It's throwing everything at you. Right. So it's, it's saying, Hey, you, have not been wearing diapers and playing World of Warcraft for the last five years. <laughs> so we gotta we gotta bring you, the average viewer, up to speed of what's going on. 
So within 30 minutes, we're going to tell you who's responsible for what and what certain events mean. And this creates a pacing problem right in the beginning of the film. Yeah. Count how many times they say the word fell. F-E-L, the green stuff in this movie. I bet it's 50. Yeah, I bet they say the word fell 50 times in this movie. And probably in the first 30 minutes. And it's always, oh, you're this person. You're responsible for this. And, oh, hey, remember we did this this other thing? And, oh, you got kicked out of that? Well, you're not supposed to be kicked out of that because that thing does X, Y, and Z. So it's all exposition, right? It's the first 30 minutes. And you really are kind of going, okay, what's going on here? Now, there are some visuals, like the portal sequence. I kind of liked them going through the portal. Yeah. Visually, it looks good uh, in certain aspects, but the the beginning of the film, man, it's a rough start. I feel like it settles down about the 31 minute mark and it starts to get more comfortable what it's trying to do. But I feel like somebody went to Duncan Jones and and the other screenwriter and said, all right, you have 30 minutes (laughs) to get people who have never touched a computer keyboard before, but like Lord of the Rings, and kind of tell them what's going on here. Because we don't want to lose the fan base that we have, but we got to bring new viewers in. So go, you got 30 minutes, right? So that's what they do. Well, yes. And to be fair, the first 10 minutes of Lord of the Rings, obviously they explain a lot to you. Yes. They give you the whole history of Middle Earth in that oh, first boy. 10 minutes. Yep. And it's a lot too. Mm-hmm. But it's easier to follow because essentially you get out of that is there's one ring to rule them all. That's it. They, Yeah, but I, I think even the approach of how they do it it, they give you the things that are necessary for you to know what's going to happen. And then the rest of it, you're going to pick up during the journey. Yes, exactly. I, yes. They, they handle it better, but to be fair, the Lord of the Rings does do a lot of explaining at the very beginning. It does uh, here. You're explaining things to me that I have. It's just different. Like it's not, well, it's just not as good. It's basically trying yeah. to give you everything in 30 minutes and it's not leaving anything up to mystery. It, it just really isn't. I feel Lord of the Rings is giving you enough in order to get started. And there's a lot. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of exposition. But it's still giving you hints of things that you're going to discover. Whereas in the first 30 minutes, this one is like trying to, is somebody just reading you the rule books of what's going on. Lord of the Rings doesn't feel like that at all. And, and it could be, you know, it just has better style at, at its narration. Uh, the other thing though is, is, okay, so when it settles down, so you get past the 30 minutes, I, I think Duncan Jones starts to find his groove a little bit with his storytelling, but then he runs into a tonal problem. So it, you don't know if he's going for the fun adventure film. You don't know if he's trying to remake Macbeth. You don't know if he's trying to do Romeo and Juliet. The, the tone is all over the place in the back half. Uh, or the back two thirds once you get through the first third. So once you get through the exposition and pacing problems, then the next part of the film, you go, okay, well, the tone, I, I feel like he's just trying to dial it in and you never know what kind of movie he's trying to make exactly until I will say the tone is at its best in the back third of the film. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the last third of this film is you, you're setting up that, battle at the end so i yeah i'm not saying that's the easiest part of the movie to do right. but it's the it's it's the most obvious like yes we're gonna have a big battle scene at the end um we know i could and here's another part this movie is predictable as probably any other movie i've ever seen in my entire life like you knew that when that king comes on the screen you knew 
that he was dead because you have another guy here in the film that is really charismatic. People like him. And you're like, okay, at the end of the film, that guy's going to be king and that one's going to be dead. And the there's going to be something with the half orc, half human character that's going to play a part in that. And See, I, all I'm, that stuff. I'm going to disagree with you 100%. I, I think that's where some of the stri- So here's the thing. You, know, you didn't a think the king was going to die? Oh, I thought he was going to die. But he, yeah. here's where Duncan Jones, I think, does something kind of cool is you know that the king's going to die. There are going to be story beats and elements that they have to hit for this type of film. But the one thing, so here we'll get into some things I did like about it. And one of the things I did like about it is how he got there, I thought was kind of interesting. So there are a couple of plot twists. There are a couple of things that happen that I think you go, okay, this is going to, we have to get to this element where the king is going to die. So you're, this other guy can take over, but how they got there, I think was unique and different enough to keep me interested. So I I don't want to necessarily spoil it, but I think one of the things that um, I did like about this film is I like what they were trying to do in terms of the story arc. You have a set of good guys in each race and a set of bad guys in each race and circumstances that everybody has to kind of contend with. And I love the fact that it ends in a stalemate. So I know it it's intended to end in such a way that there are going to be sequels, but I really feel like they stuck the landing of the film and they actually created some story elements that I would really kind of like to know how it was going to play out with the next film. But even without a next film, I thought there was some interesting choices because, you know, we'll, we'll stop here. If you haven't seen the film, let's just, we're going to, you know, talk spoilers. We have to, we have to. Um, if so, if you're interested in seeing this, then stop right now and then come back and pick us up. But if you're not, then here we go you start this film with your orc hero and he makes a sacrifice that you think is going to change things and it doesn't do squat. Mm-mm. I yeah. love that. Like I, that was unique and I didn't see that coming. I, I, I agree with that part that I, I did. I, yes, I, I, I was a little off guard with that because I thought when they were saying he was going to, you know, turn the orc against the, wizard orc guy, yeah. whatever his name is. Uh, and it didn't, I was a little confused. I was like, wait, I thought that was supposed to work and it didn't. It didn't. Um, and then you could kind of see the, you could kind of see it starting the, the seedlings are there for it to work. Um, it needed another, you know, some more watering, but, um, and you were talking about like, oh, there's good guys and bad guys on both sides. Like, yeah, I think that's a, an interesting aspect to go on as well. That you know, on the on the human side, obviously there's there's bad people on the human side, and people are easily corruptible, like the guardian. And um, on the orcs, there's guys who are you know very honorable and, and live by tradition. And then there's other guys who are not. Like all that stuff on the surface should work really well, um, and I think that's the best part of the story is that interaction between the inner race interaction in the race, the, the, the interaction between the orcs and the humans as well. It, I don't know. Should I be offended that they even brought in the elves and the dwarves for just a second and just be like, Hey, by the way, 
they're here too, but they're not going to play any sort of part in, in yeah, this movie. I, it's that was weird. They, they show up in the beginning and even the doors are like, Hey, I made a gun for you. Like, this is yeah. what's different. We got guns and swords, but they don't I think they call it a boomstick something. Yeah. Isn't that what they <laughs> army of darkness? Is, yeah. Isn't that, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, but you know what? I'm okay with that because when we talk about the visual effects, the dwarves are my biggest problem. Like the dwarves looked horrible in this thing, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they look like a cartoon. Yeah, they did. Um, and but there were little elements where I really liked that the movie starts. The movie started in a place I didn't expect, which is the point of view of this orc soldier chieftain and his family. And what happens to him and his family? I can honestly say I didn't see coming because I think it's trying to play out as. His family's making these big sacrifices. His wife is making. I did not expect his wife to die. That shocked me a little bit. I did not. I did not expect the reaction to his sacrifice. That shocked me. Like the story element of that orc was kind of refreshing. I really. Here's where I think Duncan Jones' brilliance comes through in this film a little bit, is how he handles that character story arc, and I kind of like how you get into this Romeo and Juliet story where you're like, okay, here we go. He's, uh, he, you know, his, his son died and he decides he's going to smooch on this half orc. Yeah. You knew the son, you knew the son was dying. The too. son like that was son, That dead. son had the, the an many, expiration date on yeah. as soon as he walked on screen. You're like, that guy's gone. But yep. <laughs> I, th- I, I like what they did with her, even though when she starts to try and act quote unquote, it gets a little wonky. I think Paula Patton's okay, but her trying to pull this dramatic, you know, star crossed lover kind of thing didn't necessarily work. However, her character and what it goes through and then what she has to do at the end, I really enjoyed that because same thing, you know, the King's going to die, but her making the choice to kill him at his request again is another injury i feel like duncan jones took the script and he goes i've got to do something like this is too pedestrian it's too benign yeah. and yeah. you can see the duncan Jones elements come through it it it's there and and that's the stuff i like about it so i like the fact that from a story perspective he takes a pretty vanilla benign pedestrian whatever adjective you want to use sort of Lord of the Rings Hobbit clone and actually does some interesting things and has some interesting beats in there. Why would they not tell, why would the King not tell people that he was going to let her kill him? It would make it so much easier because now the guy who is now the new King is out for her. And that could have been totally avoided by just saying, Hey, you know, to, to make all this stuff work and to make her, respected in her clan, she's going to have to kill me. I'm okay with that because it's going to save our world or whatever. Well, but he, he makes that choice in the height of the battle and he's not going to go, hold on a second before you do. I mean, he's trying to fend off all the people. So yeah. I, to me that that's kind of a, that's an unrealistic request for this type of story, because if you're in the heat of a battle and again, these characters are acting in such a way that it's supposed to be, Hey, I, the portal's closing. I got to do something real quick. I'm not going to make it. You're not going to make it. The only way one of us is going to make it if you kill me so that it looks like this way. And again, that's the, that's the thing I like. Cause I, I kind of want to know what happens after that. 
because now all of a sudden there's some tension between her and this guy that she fell in love with for the, you know, the most part and is accepted. And all of a sudden he's, <laughs> I mean, the end of the movie with him going, Oh wow, she killed him. I get, I guess we didn't know her as well as we thought. I mean, there's no, he, he's like, wow. I, he felt betrayed. Yeah, he's betrayed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, okay, that I did not see that coming. I thought that was, that was a little nice Duncan Jones element to it. Yeah. So immediately after I watched this film, I, I, I was thinking back to, and this is going to be a long walk, so go with me here. I'm in. Um, the reboot of Planet of the Apes. Um, I started thinking about that in the buildup they had to the last film, which I believe is The War of the Planet of the Apes. Is that the Woody right? Harrelson one? The Woody Harrelson. Okay. It truly will be a planet of the apes. But anyway, <laughs> um, my dream for that third film was literally just follow the apes the whole time, not have any human characters. We're just, we are apes and we're going to go with the apes the whole time. And I thought for a minute when we opened up on the orcs and they're really humanizing these orcs, he's got a family, um, you know, he's got a wife. They obviously love each other. um, Even though they might be sort of primitive in a way, they still, you know, we can relate to them. They, they're very human-like. And I was like, oh, that's an int- like that would have been an interesting choice to me. Like, who cares about the human characters? Let's just stay on the side of the orcs. And I still think that could have been a cool choice. Um, I, I get it. Like, no studio is going to give you $160 million and say, let's make an orc movie. But uh, there's a there's so much back and forth, and there's so much we're getting double crossed by this person and, and the guardian is, is, is not who he says he is. And we have these weird, like other elder people inside this cube. Like, what was that about? What, like what was going on there? I, I'll say that. So your comment kind of strikes a chord with me. I think there are just too many characters to follow. Yes. I, I really, I really think if you pared this down a little bit and just say, okay, pick what you're telling here. Is it the Romeo and Juliet thing? Is it maybe what? Because it is interesting. Again, How many like in charge orcs are there in this movie? There's like a and dozen. Some, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is. And, and that's the problem. But you've got the wizards. You've got the king. You've got, all, you know, the champion, all this other stuff. I, again, I like that really the bad guys of the film are the orcs because they're invading this world and they're capturing all these people. They're killing them for their energy. And this orc is participating in that he's doing it. However, he has a code, a chieftain, he's taking care of his wife. And I like that element of it, that it's not black and white. And he even realizes if we keep doing this, we're going to destroy this world, just like we destroyed our world. And I, I love that he comes to that realization and tries to do something about it. And he can't. And what happens is this half orc female ends up doing more in sort of advancing the the cause to kind of get to a peaceful resolution by killing the king. That aspect of the story, I think, is actually pretty good. I, I think Duncan Jones did a really good job with handling that story arc and taking it to it. But the problem is he's got too many characters that you're bouncing back and forth from. Like the wizard, the wizard kid, uh, who cares about him? Who he's, he's there to tell you things of what's going on. 
Yeah, he's very exposition guy. He's the Lord. He's the Lord Raiden. He's of the Lord movie. Raiden of this film. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I, I well, just, and again, you see that guy, and you're like, okay, they're kind of hinting that he is going to be the new Guardian. So obviously, the next film or the third film, you know, he becomes Guardian or whatever. Something. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So again, make one movie. Also, okay, make a movie. <laughs> make one movie. All right. Don't don't presume that your story is going to be three movies long because you don't, you might not get the chance. I, and now we have a, I, I don't think that's possible anymore. It's, I, I get it, yeah. but make one goddamn movie. Like, <laughs> I, I, you and I are talking about all this stuff we wish was in this movie because they leave it because they think they're going to get a sequel. You're like, no, well, you have to make one successful movie first. Well, the, the thing of it is, I think it's all in there. I think they should have just pared it down. So, we might be saying the same thing. You're saying make well, one movie. And I'm like, well, there's like three movies in here. Yes. But I, like, yes. Yeah. But like the, the baby, the film open doesn't open, but the baby is a big part of this film for four seconds at the beginning and four seconds at the end. And apparently that's supposed to mean something at the end. And you're like, okay, we're never going to know anything about that baby because it's, we're never having another one of these movies. So yeah, like, I mean, what is going on? Yeah. It's it, it's parents are dead and now it's going to be raised by humans. So, yeah. and, and again, that's something where that it's kind of like, interesting I, to see. yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I would be ready for the sequel to see where some of these story arcs go, to be quite honest. I, I actually think one of the strengths of this film is there is a narrative that starts to take place about the 30 minute mark. Cause like I said, that first 30 is world building. It's, Here's what we're doing. Here's what's going on. Da, 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 and you you do this. We do this. When you get to that 30 minute mark, you start to see the elements of a pretty good story coming out. And I like where that went. Like I was engaged. I wasn't confused <laughs> once I got past the first 30 minutes and I go, okay, well, I think it's going to play out. The, oh, I didn't expect that. Oh, well, explain, that explain cool. the cube to me then. If you weren't confused, the cube. Yeah. Where they go inside the cube and there's like that figure and it's the black cube or whatever. They yeah, walk inside I think of that it. was one of the uh, sorcerers that got yeah. uh, possessed or couldn't withhold, and it was waiting to for the special sorcerer to say, "Hey, this is what's yeah. going on, right?" Yeah. Um, I will. So I'm. I'm gonna also talk about something else I really liked about this film. I I did like the orc design. Now, I accept that it's different than the Lord of the Rings. Which should be, yes. Yes, but I like the the orc design. I actually think the orcs are probably the best special effect, especially the head uh, wizard orc, the main bad guy. Mm-hmm. I loved his look. I loved, um, I I love orcs clobbering humans. Like for me, that didn't get old. When, when you would see these hammers just swing and take these guys out, uh, I think they did a really good job of taking this mythical fierce creature and when they enter the battlefield, there's just all this fun chaos. I would have liked to have seen some different scenarios. Uh, you talked about the two battle sequences in the valley and then sort of the big main battle sequence in front of the portal. Uh-huh. I actually thought the force sequence was probably the best action sequence. Oh, yeah, there's that one too, yes. And I really would have liked to have seen more of that. And the reason why I thought it was the best action sequence is nothing, and I mean nothing, in terms of cinema, beats seeing an orc throw a horse at a human and then his orc girlfriend or whatever pop up and laugh. And all of it, you're like, okay, I, did, I didn't I did expect him to just pick up a whole horse 
and just take a guy out with it. And then this girl just turns and just starts laughing at it. I thought that was a fun scene. And I wish that some of uh, the, the, I wish the film had more of those type of scenes in it, but I, I liked all the action in the film. And I actually liked that four sequence. I thought it was pretty cool how they're chasing them down and the mm-hmm. wolf comes back and everything else. But um, I know, I know the, the character design of the orc and the armor that the humans wear is lifted almost directly out of the game. Okay. Um, it's very, very close to it. So the source material on that, they had a good design. Look at the orc design of the game and stuff after this and the, and that armor. And you'll be like, Oh, that's yeah. All they had to do is literally lift it from there because <laughs> they did a good job designing it for the game and stuff. So, <clears throat> I mean, I, I give them credit for saying, Oh, we, we don't have to you know reinvent the wheel here. We've, yeah. we've got great source material. Um, and you're right. I, I, I totally forgot about the forest scene. I, I do think that turned out to maybe be, you're, you're right, actually. But it, again, it's sad that like I watched this movie less than 24 hours ago and the forest scene literally <laughs> left my mind. Hey, so I, that's how, you know, again, I totally get it. I, it to yeah. me, this is one of those things where I, I think there's the, the action sequences and stuff like that. It's, I would hate to kind of sit here and go, well, it's a B or C movie version of Lord of the Rings or Conan the Bar or whatever it is. I mean, it really falls into that Lord of the Rings Hobbit analogy, but there was still some things that popped up every once in a while that surprised me like an orc picking up, you know, a horse and, you know, bashing a human with it. I'm like, Oh, I didn't expect that. Uh, I I like the use of magic in this film. Here's, Mm -hmm. here's one of the things like, I usually don't think in these wizard films they get ma- like magic isn't impressive. I-, I think the Harry Potter films, I'm not a big Harry Potter film guy at all. I think they're boring as shit, quite honestly. Wow. Um, and there, there's a couple in there that I like, but I think overall that's uh, that's what, eight movies, nine movies? It's a lot of story when, when you kind of take a step back and you go, man, that was like nine movies of hide and seek. And then something happened at the end. <laughs> uh oh. Um, you said that, not me. Yeah, I did. So come at me. Troy internet. said that. Troy said that. Uh, but I, I really like how they got the, the magic and the battle sequences in here. I thought it really looked really cool, especially the CGI effects. But I really would have liked to see more of that in the film. Uh, not just the orcs, like, you know smacking the heck out of humans. I, I would have liked to see a little bit more battle magic, but that, that was another aspect. I thought when they, when they did it, they got it right. I just like seeing orcs hit their hit hammer, hit the humans with their hammers. Yeah, it's like, so cool. I, yeah. I don't know. There's something about it. And that horse yeah. thing, I went back and watched that a couple of times. Cause it just cracked me up. But yeah, no, I, I again, the Harry Potter film, my, my kids love them. I, they're okay. They're okay. That the third one, prisoner of Azkaban, I thought that was fantastic. Like that isn't a, standout film and oh my god nine movies of hide and seek and jack Dude, shit happens oh my god oh terrible that's all they do oh something's gonna happen oh i better go hide and then i, I maybe i need to I would, listen. okay i would love to review the harry potter films with you because this is unbelievable you you like them i mean you i mean i've actually not seen them all um oh. i actually need to see like the last three the last one's great I mean, the last two, it really need to be one film and just show wow. the last part. The big wizard battle was cool. But between the third uh, one and the wizard battle, you, all the everything that happens in between is hide and seek. That's all it is. Can I confess something to you? Yeah. I literally do not know how a Harry Potter ends. Uh, There's a big wizard battle. 
like, I don't know who dies, who lives. Like I, I have zero context for any of that. I can tell you, I, I know who lives and dies in Warcraft, but not Harry Potter. I think Harry Potter lived. That was about it. Okay. Yeah. No. All right. Harry Potter overrated. Sorry. Wow. Uh, and everybody's like, Oh, you, you haven't read the books. Whatever. Readings for chumps. Right, Brad? Yes. Says the guy <laughs> with a stack full of paper that he has his notes on. Shut up. Um, well, let me ask you this. I mean, you went on and on about Mortal Kombat last week and how great it was. You don't care. It's a stupid da, 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 And you were listing all the things that you just know Mortal Kombat's not good at. And I'm over here going, yeah, but it, it looks really good. It's got this production design that you don't expect. You've got Johnny K. But you're charming. So, yes, it's charming. Mortal Kombat is charming. You've, but you're so close to that source material. I mean, I, uh-huh. I, I edited that podcast and I know how I'm much. I'm very close to Mortal Kombat. Yeah, you, you love the source material. And I think it gives you a love for uh, a movie that at least does most of it right. And that's the yeah. first one. Yeah, it gets it 70% right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. I, I mean, now I don't love this the way I like that first Mortal Kombat film. But I'm wondering if it's because I'm not close to the source material. I, I don't know. It, it could be like I, I totally could be missing all the inside stuff, and I just was never interested in this story. And, and it, predominantly, the reason for that is I hated the way it began. Like, if you don't make a good first impression, it's hard to come back from that. And I had to like pause it and just be like, "What is going?" on in this movie it is this is one of the worst openings of a film i've seen in a long time where it's like we're just gonna throw all this stuff at you and honestly i didn't care about any of it i I really did not i didn't think the humans were actually really all that interesting uh for sure not the king like i I thought he was literally a, a white toast like he's the plainest thing in the entire world oh the other guy yes the other guy white toast and it's like these guys are the most uninteresting people in the entire film again i hate to do this but look at lord of the rings first it's strider you're like oh this guy is like cool as hell and it's like oh that's aragorn and then that turns out to like that character is like an amazing character there's no again, and the problem is, is this thing has like 50 million characters in this movie, and it really needs to have five that we really care about, and that's it. Chieftain orc guys come and go. Like now, there's a new one, and then now there's a new one. It's like, if yes, we have the one bad wizard orc that's supposed to be like the big big bad, but I don't know. I don't want to sound racist towards orcs, but they all look the same to me, Troy. Oh my God. You did not just say that. Brad. I, said, I know. They, they do. All look the they same. all do. No. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, I think the design of the orcs, I had no problem in. So I agree with you. The humans and their performances. They all look the same. Are, look too. all the same. <laughs> I, if you said all the, all the white people in this movie look the same, I agree with you hundred percent. It's just who Do they have a it? beard? Yes. Do they have long black hair? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're all the same. They're all the same. Uh, and, and to me, I, I like the orc stuff in here. Now, I like some of the human interactions with the orcs, but if it was just humans, I wasn't too involved into it. But if it was, you know, what was going on with the humans and the orcs, and especially this orc chieftain and, and how that played out, and even the half orc girl, I like all those aspects of it. Like, I actually think 
I'm with you. It, it has a really rough start, but I was fine with it when you get to that 30 minute mark. And I started to actually have some fun with it. And I really got surprised with some of these storytelling choices. So I don't, I think it just, I really, <laughs> I really think it comes down to this at the 30 minute mark. If you go, Oh my God, I, I am so lost, confused, and you're not even enjoying the design portion of it or anything else tap out. Yeah. I, I think you'll be fine. But if at the 30 minutes you go, okay, I'm a little confused, not going on, but I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. I'm liking the visuals. I'm liking the design. You want to stick with it. I think it's rewarding to get to the end of this thing. I actually, even though I, I would sit here and start uh, kind of, I don't know, picking on this thing at the at the beginning of our discussion, when, when I sit down and do that, you know, hey, let me take notes and let me take score, there are a lot more things that I like about this than I dislike and I actually think Duncan Jones and some of his story choices are have have a really good payoff that I enjoyed. Like I I remember kind of liking this in the theater when I first saw it and going, wow, that that was surprising. And it might have been that I'd heard so many bad things about it that I went in kind of going, well, it's going to be terrible and going, oh, that wasn't as terrible as I thought. Right. Second viewing, I'm like, OK, that's not a great film, but. I still kind of want a sequel. Honestly, here, here's in, and, and I don't like this movie at all, but if you told me they're making a sequel, I would probably see it because I kind of think the setup, then you the, like this movie. No, no. <laughs> they get all the bullshit out of the way to, to like literally Troy, literally the title card of this movie shows up at one hour and 50 minutes. So what they're saying is this is all sort of prologue to here's the last 10 minutes, like Warcraft. No, and the Warcraft no, thing showed up after the portal. Well, I, I'm just like, held the, the baby. End, he like, did the Simba yeah. thing with the baby and then, oh, it's Warcraft. Yeah. But I think they just got all that stuff out of the way. The boring King is gone. The new guys there, uh, all those, they're, they're going after the big bad orc guy. Now <clears throat> I think, that would be interesting because they got all the crap that's I don't care about out of the way. Those characters are dead. Let's move on and make a new movie with this baby orc. Maybe that was raised by humans. And what is that going to do? Um, the Moses orc. Yeah, Moses. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yes. Moses hey, orc. Let's, yeah. let's put our baby in a wicker with, basket. Send him down. It was Moses. Yeah. It was. The, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Someone read the Bible once. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, hey, baby in a basket. Yeah. Let's go. Whoa. No one's ever done this before. No, but hey, look, I'm sitting here. I'm listening to you talk about your experiences with it. And I can't sit here and say, well, you're totally off base. I can totally understand somebody watching this film and walking away and having the view that you just expressed, because I really think it's all about that first 30 minutes. If you can't just, I don't know, grapple that first 30 minutes and tie it down and then say, okay, I'm I'm ready to where this story's going. I don't I don't think you're gonna like this film. Right. I I liked it a lot, actually. And I don't really like the look of it either. Yeah, I, I see, and I do. I, it's I got think, that weird sheen to it that just looks CG. I, you can I, tell I, everything in this. Like I, I, to me, CG is the CG the one the one I the CGI that I want in my films is the one where you're like, oh, that was CGI. I had no idea. Now, obviously, I know that the orc is going to be CGI, but like. At least make it 
that's weird. To where I ha- had to kind of question it. Yeah, um, that's weird coming from, to me, that's weird coming from you, given that you're the guy that's introducing me to all this Japanimation stuff. We, but your, your expectations are different. You shouldn't go into a, like a like an anime with the same expectations as a $160 million feature film. Well, I, I'm, walking, about the realism. I'm walking into a $160 million orc movie. I'm not, my expectation is I'm going to see more things like anime than I am going to see real life. Yes, I understand. Yeah, yes. But I, I, I want it to be like, oh, they did such a good job with those orcs that you were tell me like, oh, they know they found some real orcs somewhere, and that's what they, you know, they filmed. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, I, I don't want them to look like they just were rendered off of a computer. So, did you want Roger Rabbit to look like a realistic rabbit? No, because that's not my expectation. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm just having fun with you. Yeah, I know. I, I, I get what you're saying. It, again, it comes down to can, can you come into the aesthetics and you go, I like it. I like what I'm seeing. I. Look, you you put me into a fantasy world. I don't really care if it looks realistic or I don't care if it all looks CGI as long as I like the aesthetic of it. My expectations are I'm putting my expectations at the door and I'm going to judge it on what you're doing. It's hard. I know. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. I agree. So you have any final notes, final thoughts on this one? No, no. That's all my – I I will say like another – aspect of this film i think that falls flat is name a sequence that it is enhanced by music in this some sort of cool orchestral big horn you know sounding something it's why i didn't list the composer because the music to me was just stock medieval music right honestly you could tell me there's no music in this film and i would have like oh yeah sure okay yeah, no, it's just, I, yeah, it's, it's standard stuff. I, I wouldn't, be, if somebody told me, you know what, we took all of the music that uh, was used in this other film and it was, you know, great. Yeah. There, there's, there's no memorable theme for it. I, I know there's drums and I know there's some harps, violins, stuff like that in there. And I, you know, there's a war scene, lots of drums. I remember that, but that's about it. Yeah. Missed opportunity. Okay. Says you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brad. 2016's Warcraft, is it a bomb? I would say yes, this is an absolute bomb for all the things I've mentioned before, but when you make that bad of a first impression for me in a film, it's really hard to get my footing back after that. And I I really care. I really like Duncan. You know, like you'll give a director that you really like the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, I gave this thing countless chances because I'm like, okay, he will, he will save this thing in the last hour. He will save this thing in the last half an hour. He might save it in the last 15 minutes. You're like, uh, it got a little better. Yes. Like it got a little better than that first, you know, act or whatever. The first act of this film is atrocious. It gets a little better, but never to the point where I was like, okay, good. I'm glad I, there are parts of films where I'm like the first half an hour was kind of rough but it totally redeems itself. This one does not do that. There's no redemption of that awful first act for me in this film. Um, too many characters. The storyline is, it does have some nice twists, but nevertheless, it's pretty pedestrian. I wish I liked it more. I really do. I wish I liked this thing a lot more, but I don't. Was 
China the highest grossing uh, country for this? I, uh, I think it was, right? It would have had to have been. You don't make... You yeah, don't you don't make, make that kind of money yeah. in Germany. So, yeah. and the reason why I ask this is, to me, this yeah. is exactly like some of the mainland China fantasy action films that are released on a regular basis. Do you ever watch those? Any of the yeah. Monkey King stuff or yeah, the, the, yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. the four? I mean, basically China, in order to kind of stay away from the political stuff, ends up making these these big fantasy action stuff. They're CGI heavy. I mean, when they remade Zoo Warriors from the Magic Mountain, I mean, that that was, I guess, a prime opportunity to do it because it's just, let me just slather all this CGI on there and fantasy dragons. Do you, want, an, do you want another China gross? Probably like 300 million. 225. 225. Okay, makes total sense. Yeah. So when I saw this film and I, I saw the initial numbers and said, wow, it made that much money and was a bomb, I'm thinking, well, this had to do well in China because this is exactly like the type of films that mainland China releases that are fantasy set, et cetera. And, and, the, and here's the problem. Half of those films are just hot garbage. They're terrible. Uh, the other half, they're either okay or pretty good. They're never amazing. <laughs> China, oof, when they get into their fantasy stuff, it's you're lucky if you watch something, you walk away and you go, oh, that, that was okay. I, I feel like this falls into that pretty good category. I think it's better than the best of the Chinese fantasy films because of the caliber special effects. But I feel like the acting and some of the elements of the story mimic what they were making in mainland China, which isn't so good. But I, I really had in its whole and entirety, once you kind of get past that awkward pacing and the exposition of the first 30 minutes, I really like where this story went. I really love the the look of the orcs. I like the battle sequences. And when this movie was over, I, I kind of sat back and was like, man, I, I'm kind of disappointed there's not going to be a sequel to this thing because I liked where it ended. I liked where it was going. And I wanted to see where these characters were going to end up. Um, and I, I, I love the fact that you get this stalemate that occurs um, between these two armies. And now they have to contend with each other. So uh, I, I think Duncan Jones made a pretty good film. I think it's flawed. Uh, and <laughs> you and I will agree on those flaws. But uh, I, can t I can totally see where you come at it from your perspective, too. But I, I looked at this and went, man, aesthetically, I'm really digging this thing. Uh, there's, you know, get rid, get rid of those dwarves and elves. They look terrible. But, yeah. you know, just give me orcs and humans and orcs throwing horses and a little bit more of that, and I, I, I would have probably watched this again this week. Ooh, oh, boy. Yeah, it's not getting a bomb. Through that, it's not a bomb. You, getting through that film last night was, oh, it's like pulling teeth, man. I, I, I you know what? Getting through the first 20, 30 minutes was kind of tough, but once you get past that and you see where this thing goes, I, I had fun with it. But if anybody were to come to me and go, man, that thing was terrible, I'd be like, okay, cool. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it has to hit your, I don't know, right aesthetic vibe in order for you to get into it. But even if it doesn't, if you were to sit back and go, hey, ask yourself, did you expect some of these story elements to pop up? No, you didn't. So I think Duncan Jones and, and the other writer did a really good job with that. But of course, my uh, view and opinion is probably null and void because the internet is um, like you didn't 
You think Harry Potter is like, overrated? You don't like Harry Potter, yeah. So, hey, it's not that I don't like Harry Potter. I think they're okay films. I think one of them is a standout film, but I think it's like nine, what's 18 hours, 20 hours of hide and seek. And you know what? If you're into that, cool. Not this guy. So, Brad. Yes. We're, we're this video game movie thing. We're we're doing another one, right? Keep going, man. Yeah. Keep going. And we're almost kind of at the same scenario for our next film as this one. This one grosses a lot of money, kind of panned by critics. Uh, but it uh is definitely not a not a moneymaker for the studio. We are doing 2018's Tomb Raider. Wow. Not the Angelina Jolie ones, the uh Alicia Vikander one. Now this one has uh it came out when the tomb raider games were i don't want to say not being they rebooted them um they start with an origin kind of story right yeah so it was tomb raider then rise of the tomb raider and then shadow of the tomb raider i believe that's the trilogy um yeah this one came after i believe that might have came after the second game or when the second game was kind of coming out anyway uh yeah kind of a, a a uh more real realistic uh laura croft was always a little bit um how would you describe the original laura croft in tomb raider uh boobalicious to the fact where it's like <laughs> oh my god uh, that, you, i mean you have it was hold on here you've you you've said all orcs look alike so you're <laughs> you're orcist and now you're being, is it misogynist talking about? Well, it's a video game character that was designed for 13-year-old boys playing PlayStation 1, okay? Well, I, you know what? If anybody comes after me on this Harry Potter thing, they should go after your orcism. Oh, well. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, so we have Walter Goggins showing up next week, and Dominic West, I believe, is in that movie. So Daniel pretty... Wu's in, in that one, too, right? So oh, yeah, that's We're going right. to talk about Daniel Wu again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I saw this movie in the theater, so we will see how it holds up for me. But that is 2018's Tomb Raider. I'm excited too. I did not see it in the theater, but I watched it, I think on Blu-ray. So I'm I'm, I'm ready to kind of go back and, and revisit that thing. Because it's I wanna, funny, I, I watched the other, the first two that uh, had Angelina Jolie. I think those yeah. were some of my pandemic watches. I had a lot of fun revisiting those. Really? Yeah. I remember thinking that second one, is it Cradle of Life? Had Simon Yam in it. Yeah. Yep. I thought that one was not good. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, I obviously am a little bit more forgiving on some of these than you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I had fun with both of them. I can't remember which one was... Uh, better than the other but i do remember i liked the action sequences i think in the second one more than the first one and i had simon yam and i'm i i mean i'm a big fan obviously yes um yeah so if anyone wants to suggest uh films for us for our future shows um that is not a bomb pod at gmail.com we are on twitter instagram and facebook as well um, what else, Troy? What do we else? Ha- what else do we have? Oh, we took a break from uh, Cowboy Bebop this week, so there wasn't a show for Saturday. Sorry about that, but that, that you know, was my fault. That was it was my tot- fault as well. I mm, sometimes work sucks, yeah, and you have to work a lot, and then other times it's not as bad. 
but we're man. lucky to get this show out the door. Let's be honest with ourselves. We, yeah, we yeah, a lot of, yeah. I know you and I have gotten probably in the last six months, a lot of requests to show up on other podcasts. We would love to, yeah. but between the family and work schedule, it just hasn't happened. I think it'll open it up to where we will do some, but yeah, the, uh, we, we will get that, uh, next show of, um, not a bomb watches out this week. Yeah. So yeah. It's, we're, if we're going to miss something, we're going to miss that and not the regular show because we haven't missed one in what episode is this? Like 65, 66, something like that. So, you know, I'm not missing one of these. If we I agree. can, if we can make it happen, we'll make it happen. Yeah. So. And, and Sammy will be back for that. I mean, he's doing that entire series with us. And please, yeah. you know, take time and check out Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, our good friends over at the VHS Files podcast. Josh has been doing a ton of videos. I, that guy is putting up a lot of fun stuff. I just watched the one for all of his Criterion purchases, and now uh, I made a little bit of a list of things I need to buy in November on the 50% sale <laughs> yeah. to catch I, up with him. I couldn't watch his review of Candyman, the new Candyman, because I haven't seen it yet, but that's out there too. Yep. Um, they just celebrated one year of podcasting. So congrats, congratulations. guys, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, Josh is coming back on our show. He was just texting us yesterday yeah. about what we we're doing for Halloween. So we have a special one lined up for that, which pretty excited about that. Troy, are you going to dress up for that show? I don't know yet. Hmm. I might dress up for every show we do in Halloween. I'm not exactly sure. In October? Yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. October will be obviously scary movies again. So we're, yes. we're doing that. Um, November, we have a theme. December, we have a theme. <laughs> I think January, we have a theme. So February, where we... We'll, we will take requests again. Yes. Um, we need to add some of our new requests because we've gotten a bunch lately. There have so. been some good ones. I got to I gotta admit, the stuff that's been coming through on Twitter, I've been pretty impressed with. And I totally, something will come through and I'm like, that didn't bomb. And I go look at, oh, wow, that, that bombed big time. Yeah, so. yeah. When I was, <laughs> my, my dumb ass was like, oh, when we start this show, at some point in time, we'll run out of movies to do because, you know can't have that many bombs because then the studio run out of money. You're like, Oh, there's an unlimited amount of bombs. We will do this show until we are dead. I feel like 2021 is producing a ton of bombs. Well, yeah, yes, obviously the pandemic and stuff like that, but, and then things that I don't think, uh, should, I don't know. How do I say that? Like the ones that I expect to do really well are bombing and the ones that I thought would bomb are doing pretty good. So, yeah, we might tackle that too. At, at some point in time, like let's pick a movie that we like made a ton of money. You're like, how, how did this thing make money? Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, the, I got a list of those, bomb. man. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I, I want to say, you know, thank you for joining our show. Obviously your time is limited. You have, 400 other thousand podcasts you could listen to. You chose ours for some strange reason. And now Troy has chased all those people off because he hates Harry Potter. I don't hate but anyway. Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> but I mean, you did pick the one that you like the most because Gary Oldman is in it. So just say you love Gary Oldman and that's fine. I love Gary Oldman. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. All right. Well, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. As always, I hope you're having an awesome day. And please come back next week and listen to us talk about more video game movies. And we're going to tackle Tomb Raider. So we'll see you then. All orcs look the same. <laughs>